like I said, next week uh, we'll end our series on James, and then August the 12th, our Promotion Sunday and our Backpack Blessing Sunday, I'm going to start a new series called Back to School, and it's based off the Wesleyan Covenant Prayer. I'm going to, if you haven't, if you haven't heard that prayer, uh, it's become a powerful prayer in my life, and uh, I want to offer it to you, and we're going to, we're going to be looking at it as we, uh, through the, through the month of August, and as we uh, all get ready for going back to school. But today we're, we're going to look about, look at patience. I don't know about you, but everything has gotten faster and faster and faster and uh, sometimes easier and easier. Not all the time. Let's just think about the idea of Amazon Prime. Who's got Amazon Prime? Well, yeah, of course you do. Uh, most of you. Um, if for some reason you don't know, uh, Amazon's a website. Uh, if you sign up for Amazon Prime, uh, which is I think is like $99 a year, uh, you get free two-day shipping on, on most everything that, that's on their website. I mean, that's, that's fast. I mean, two-day shipping. That's, that's awesome. But did you know that in some cities across the country, they are rolling out one-day shipping? One-day shipping. In some cities like Houston, we were just there a couple of weeks ago, you can order something on Amazon and get it delivered to your house that day. And sometimes you can deliver, get it delivered to your day by a drone. A drone. All you need is like a mat the size of a welcome mat. You put it out in your yard. The drone comes. It reads the mat, and it lands there and drops your package off and goes and delivers another package. Crazy. You know, uh, that whole one-day shipping thing, some people call that going to the grocery store or going to Walmart, but that is fast. And you know what? I think it's because our world and, and things like that are getting so quick and so fast that sometimes it only serves to make us more frustrated when we don't get what we want when we want it. Because we know that technology and everything else can get us something today if we want it. When we don't get what we want when we want it, we get frustrated. Sometimes we find ourselves lacking patience in a day and age when everything is built for ease and speed and comfort. I was dealing with a, a dying wireless router at the house the other day, and it would go in and out and in and out, and I'm just like, ah! But why? It's just internet. I mean, you know, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, do you have any idea about this whole patience and waiting? Well, just in time, we come to this passage in James on patience, and and so the first question we've got to ask ourselves is, when should I be patient? When should you be patient? Now, now, James isn't saying that we have to be patient all the time, but there are three special times when you need that extra dose of patience. And the first is this, when circumstances are uncontrollable. We need patience when circumstances are uncontrollable. Have you figured out yet that a lot of life is beyond your control? The sooner we come to that realization, the better life will be. You can't keep your thumb on everything. James uses a farmer as an example when circumstances um, are uncontrollable. He says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. 
See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting. I, I don't know what it's like. I've, I'd imagine that you don't need to go into farming unless you've got some patience. Part of the job description of being a farmer is you do a lot of waiting. A lot of factors in waiting. Um, you know, waiting to till, waiting to plant, waiting to prune. Yeah, there's, there's more factors that are out of your control. Weather, rain, heat, the economy, labor practices. If you have a lot of faith, you can be a farmer. If you don't have a lot of faith, don't be a farmer because it takes patience. You deal with a lot of uncontrollable factors, circumstances in life. Even in Palestine, where, where James is writing to, it was hard to be a farmer, not great land, so they needed extra patience. You ever notice that even when we realize that a situation is beyond our control, we still try to control it? How do we do that? We do that by worrying. We do that by worrying. We think that worry will control the situation. To worry about something that you can change, that's just dumb. To worry about a situation that you can't change, that's just useless. Either way, shouldn't worry. We need to have patience in uncontrollable circumstances. We all need, also need to have patience when people are unchangeable. When people are unchangeable. When they won't make a difference. It, it, James gives us an example of the prophets. He says, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. What was the duty of a prophet? To help people change, to bring them back to God, to be different in their behavior. You ever notice that people resist change? You've never seen that in the church. You know, you make any little tiny suggestion and they resist you. Do you have anybody in your life right now who refuses to change? You know how difficult it is to live with that kind of person? We need patience with people. They may never change, and so what are you going to do about it? James says to have patience. The word patience in the Greek is the word makrothumos. Makrothumos. Macro meaning long, and thumos, from which we get the word thermometer, meaning heat. It literally means it takes a long time for you to get hot. It takes a long time for you to get hot. You've got a long fuse. You don't blow up. You don't get overheated with people. If you're going to be a success with people, you have to learn patience. If you're going to be a successful parent, you got to have a long fuse. You know, I'm, I'm at home with my kids on the weekend this weekend. Didn't have a long fuse this morning, just saying. Didn't, you know, this was not my normal schedule for a Sunday morning. So I'm having to learn that with a nine, six, and four-year-old. You don't get overheated. James says you need to be patient when circumstances are uncontrollable and when people are unchangeable. You also need to have patience when problems are unexplainable, when problems are unexplainable. The classic example he gives is in verse 11. He says, you have heard of Job's perseverance. You have heard of Job's perseverance. I mean, Job played in the Super Bowl of suffering. He was a champion of suffering. 
He was the wealthiest man that ever lived. He had everything going for him. In a two-day period, everything fell apart. He went bankrupt. His children were murdered. And he got an incurable, deadly disease that was extremely painful. You think you've got problems that you've had a rough day. He lost his family. He lost his friends. He lost his finances. He was suffering materially, physically, socially, spiritually, every kind of way. You know, one day his wife comes to him and says, curse God and die. I mean, talk about a support system. The worst part of Job's suffering was that he had absolutely no idea why he was suffering. He had no idea. For 37 chapters in the book of Job, God remains silent. Doesn't even talk to him, doesn't tell him why he's experiencing all of the suffering. There was no apparent reason for his misfortune. Of all people, Job had the privilege to say, why me? No, no, we, we've never done that. Why me, God? Why me? You know, life's not fair. That, that's true. God never said that it would be fair. A lot of things in life do not make sense. You know, maybe we'll understand, maybe we'll never understand on this side of heaven. Job didn't understand. In all of those unexplained problems, Job, Job maintained his faith. Sometimes we just can't figure out our problems. So circumstances are uncontrollable, people are unchangeable, and problems are unexplainable. So that's when we need to be patient. Why should we be patient? Why should we be patient? The first is because God's in control. God is in control. Be patient and stand firm, James writes, because the Lord's coming is near. Three times in this passage, James says, the Lord's coming is near. Jesus is coming back. That is the ultimate proof that God is in control. It's the end of the book. We know how the story finishes. God is in control. The Bible talks more about Jesus' second coming than his first coming. God's in control of history, his story. He's got it all planned out. Everything is on schedule. Nothing's late. All is moving toward the final climax. God's in control. God's purpose for your life is greater than any problem in your life. God is in control. Though a situation may be out of control, no circumstance is out of God's control. Although I cannot control everything that happens in my life, God, God can. So I ought to trust him. You ought to trust him because God is in control and everything is working out. Be patient. We should also be patient because God rewards patience. Verse 11, as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. I want you to focus on that word blessed. The second half of Job's life was more blessed than his first half. God doubled everything Job had. It pays to be patient. And there's all kinds of rewards. Your, your character grows. You get along with people better. You're happier. You reach your goals. There's a lot of benefits of being patient. God rewards you. Uh, uh, you'll be honored by others. They'll say, hey, he's, 
He's a patient person. She's a patient person. But not just this side of eternity, but on the other side, you're going to be rewarded. Matthew 5 says this, Blessed are, those, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When people put you down, when they criticize you, be patient because there's going to be a reward in heaven. You know, it's our natural tendency, one of the strongest desires in life, that when you're hurt, we get even, right? When you get hurt, it is so natural to want to get even. You want to retaliate, get revenge, take matters into your own hands. When you get criticized, you want to criticize back. If you get insulted, you want to insult back. Revenge, re retaliation, it's a natural thing. But that's the opposite of patience. James says that the next time someone criticizes you, before you strike back, think about this. Is it worth giving up the reward I'm going to receive in heaven? I'm going to enjoy a whole lot longer than the temporary pleasure of revenge. You need to be patient because God is in control and he's going to reward patience. And you also need to be patient because God is working things out. God is working things out. Often behind the scenes, things that we don't see, he's at work, but we don't see him at work. Verse 11, you have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and full of mercy. God was working all the time that Job was not knowing what was going on, what was happening. God was working. A delay does not mean a denial. A delay does not mean a denial. If you've been praying for an answer to prayer and you haven't gotten it, you think God doesn't want to give it to you. No, a delay is not a denial. We've got to learn the difference between no and not yet. No and not yet. Big difference. Because, again, we want and we want it now. We want and we want it now, but we've got to be patient. God is at work, even when we don't see what's going on. God was at work in Job's life, even when he didn't know, why is this happening to me? Sometimes God is saying, be patient because I'm working things out. Here's what I really want you to remember this morning. While I'm waiting, while you're waiting, God's working. While we're waiting, God is working. You need to remember that. Your hands may be tied. The situation may be out of your control. But it is, it's not uncontrollable in God's viewpoint. So what am I supposed to be doing while I'm waiting on God? What are we supposed to be doing? So we know when, we know why, what? What am I supposed to be doing? James says, consider these two illustrations. Look at them and realize what they did and do what they do uh, while we're waiting on God. First, the farmer. What did the farmer do? Wait expectantly. Wait expectantly. I, I've got to expect a harvest. I've, I must believe that it is inevitable 
that I've done the right thing. What does a farmer do while he's waiting on God? Just, just sit there and watch reruns on the television? Just, you know, twiddle his thumbs? While the farmer is waiting on the harvest, the farmer is preparing for the answer. He's getting ready. Waiting is a time of preparing, which shows your expectation. We demonstrate our expectation by our preparation. We get ready for the answer in advance. What are you waiting for from God? What are you waiting for from God? Maybe it's to heal a long-term illness. Maybe it's to transform your marriage. Maybe it's to reverse your, your financial problems. Maybe it's for God to reach your kids for Christ. Let me ask you a question. Do you really expect him to do it? Do you really honestly expect him to do it? If you expect God to do it eventually, prove it. How can you prove that you're expecting God to do something simple? What are you doing to get ready for it? What are you doing to get ready for it? Are you preparing for the answer? If the answer came today, for the prayer that you've been praying, if the answer came today, would you be prepared for it? The, ready, the way you get ready for something is to prepare for it in advance. You know what I've realized a lot in my life? Is that when I'm waiting on God, He's really waiting on me. When I'm waiting on God, He's really waiting on me. He was ready to give the answer a long time ago but I wasn't ready to receive it. He's telling me, he's telling us, grow up. Get some spiritual depth in your life. I want to bless your life, but right now you can't handle it. You can't handle the blessing I want to pour on your life. So it's, it's so great, and you're in such a puny situation spiritually that you're not ready to handle this blessing. When you've got some spiritual muscle in your life, God says, that's when I'll, that's when I'll bless you. Waiting is a time of getting ready, preparing. Jesus waited 30 years to begin his earthly ministry. 30 years of preparation, and he accomplished more in three years than we would in a lifetime. So wait expectantly, and then wait quietly. This is tough for some of us, but wait quietly. James points out the fact that we have a tendency to run off at the mouth when we're irritated, when we're frustrated, when we're tired of being patient. When things aren't going our way, when things are out of control, James warns us of two things to avoid. He says, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. So why does he, why does he talk about grumbling right in the middle of, of patience? Because it's hard to be quiet when you're frustrated. You want to let everybody else know how, how much you're frustrated. Well, somebody else needs to know because that will make me feel better. You want to grumble, you want to mumble, you want to moan and complain we don't mind waiting 
if we can complain about it. I'll wait if I can gripe while I'm doing it. James says, don't grumble. Then James says, verse 12, above all, brothers and sisters, do not swear. Does waiting ever tempt you to swear? It's a dangerous question. Don't answer. And this is not just cussing, but being tempted to promise something more than you can, than you can deliver. Sometimes out of impatience, we promise, we overpromise more than what we can deliver. We swear to something that we can't see through to the end. And we do it because we're impatient. James says, don't swear. He says, wait expectantly and wait quietly. So this morning, where do you need patience? Do you have an uncontrollable circumstance in your life right now? Maybe you're, you're in a job situation and your boss has told you to do something that's beyond your control and you don't know what to do. Maybe you've had a financial reversal that's beyond your control. Maybe you have a long-term illness. Maybe you've got an unchangeable person in your life. It's frustrating when you tell your kids something to do over and over again and they don't do it. It's frustrating when you want to make your marriage work and you're willing, but your partner's not. It's frustrating when you have a parent who's growing old, their quirks are coming out, and they're dependent upon you. There's that irritable relative that every time they're around, they just cause problems. They're never going to change. You need patience with an unchangeable person. You need patience with unexplainable problems. So what do you do when you have these kinds of things? You remember what God has said in James. God is in control. I may be out of control. The situation may be out of control, but it's not out of God's control. Nothing's beyond his power and his purpose for your life. His purpose for your life is beyond and greater than any problem you will ever face. God will reward your patience, in, if not in this life, in the next. God is working behind the scenes for a purpose. Remember, while I'm waiting, while you are waiting, he is working. While I'm waiting, he is working. Amen. Heavenly Father, Father, we understand that patience is so tough. As people of means and resources, we want to try to handle things our own. We want to solve the problem, get it over, fix it, fix that person, fix that situation. Sometimes we can't. And when we try to, we often make the problem worse. So, Father, we pray for patience that can only come from you. Patience with a person, patience with a situation. Help us to wait and trust that you are working. Help us to trust that you are in control.
In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.